friends, this is Scott Pauley, and I'm thrilled you've joined us for the Weekend Pulpit. From time to time, it's my privilege to share a Bible message that God has used to affect my life in a unique way. And today's message from God's Word is from a guest preacher and someone that is very special to me. I hope you'll get your Bible and follow along as we listen for the Lord to speak to our hearts. All right, Exodus chapter number five, Exodus chapter number five. We've been going through the book of Exodus. We've got a new chapter today. And this is, of course, the story of Moses. The, the big picture here, you remember in chapter number three of Exodus, a couple chapters ago, there's the burning bush, which is probably the most famous story in this uh, little portion. Moses goes to the bush. And the purpose of the burning bush was to speak to Moses. And out of that bush, the Lord spoke to Moses, if you remember. And he commissions Moses. He calls Moses. All right, and what does he tell Moses to do? Remember? Hey, you go and uh, you're going to be a deliverer. You're going you're to deliver God's people. I've heard their, their cry, the bondage that they're in. These are my people, and I, I'm going I'm to use you to get them out of Egypt. So um, in chapter 5, Moses actually is now going to go to Pharaoh. Now, I think it's important that we look at chapter uh, 4, the end of chapter 4, maybe at verse 29. Because one of the misconceptions, and we kind of really spent a lot of time on it in chapter 4, is these signs and these miracles and these wonders. And they were really a sign to the elders. They were a sign to the, the elders of Israel, the leadership of Israel. And it was really God's way of, of showing them that Moses was his uh, spokesman. So uh, chapter number 4, verse 29 says, And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. So the first people that he goes to when he goes back to Egypt is not to Pharaoh first. Everybody remember that? Okay, and look at verse 30. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people, the, the, the elders in Israel. And the people believed. You see that? And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction and they bowed their heads and what? They believed and they bowed and they worshiped. Uh, these, these signs and these miracles. And uh, we talked about those. Remember, the first one was obviously the, the most famous one was the rod that turns into the serpent. Remember that? Remember the second one when he put his hand in his bosom? Leprosy put it out, a healing, a divine healing. And so, and then, of course, the water turning to blood. And, and Christ, when he was on this earth, uh, he did some of those things. The first miracle that he ever did, he turned the water into wine, which is a picture of blood. And uh, he healed people. And he healed them specifically of leprosy, an incurable disease. Now, only God can do that. So these are things that... Uh, pictures of Christ in this story. All right, now, in chapter 5, verse 1, look at it. All right, chapter 5, verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, 
three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get, uh, get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale, or the number, all right? We have a bank teller in here, right? Any other bank tellers? That's where that comes from, the tale, the number. A teller counts. And the tale, or the number of bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let let their more work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spake to the people saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get you straw where you can find it. Yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hastened them saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task." as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given to thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, you're idle. Therefore say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you. Yet you shall deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in an evil case. <laughs> After it was said, ye shall not minish aught of your bricks from your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savor or our smell to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of the servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, Wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. So the story here is pretty obvious. You know, God, when you first read it, you say, okay, Moses goes to Pharaoh, tells him what God says, and it makes it worse. And, uh, and, and the people get angry at, at Moses, at the spokesman. Um, but let me show you something neat about this. Okay, look at what, um, look in chapter 4 and um, verse number 22. And look at what God said or told Moses to say. Well, what was, what was the message that God gave for Moses to give to Pharaoh? All right, so chapter 4, verse 22, God's going to tell Moses what to say to Pharaoh. Okay, um, it says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let 
my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Okay, how many of you see that message? All right. Now look at what Moses said to Pharaoh in chapter 5, verse 1, and then verse 3. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. All right, here's what Moses says to Pharaoh. Now remember what God said to say to him. Israel is my son. You better let him go or I'm going to kill your son. Right? That's pretty much the gist of it. All right. So uh, afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Does that sound like the same message to you? All right. Now look down at verse 3. All right. Because they're going to say it again. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon, what's the word there? Us with pestilence or with the sword. And that's like he said, uh, God's going to kill us if you don't let us go. Is that what God told him? God said, you go tell Pharaoh, Israel's my firstborn, and if you don't let my firstborn go, I'm going to kill your firstborn. And what does Moses do? Well, he changes the message, doesn't he? I mean, and look, let's not be too judgmental on Moses because how would you feel if you had to stand before the most powerful guy on the face of the earth and say, hey, buddy, God's going to kill your son? I mean, Moses grew up in that court. He knew the power that Pharaoh had. I mean, it'd be out. Pharaoh could say, okay, well, oh, that's how you want to talk to me? And I think Moses is probably pretty afraid for his life, don't you? And, uh, but it is interesting. You know, sometimes we read stories like this and we think, well, look at that. They, he said that it made it harder on the people of God. And uh, this is a good example of, of a, a spokesman for the Lord, yet what, what the Bible calls diminishing the message. Like making it less, try to make it softer. And, you know, we don't ever help people when we make the message softer. We think we are, right? And we live in a very touchy-feely world, don't we? We're like feelings are more important than anything else. But how many of you understand that, you know, you shouldn't obviously try to go and hurt people's feelings. You shouldn't be an abrasive type person, but you should always speak the truth, right? And this is, boy, this is a challenge. So let me, let me give you some examples of this, okay? Um, turn, to, uh, turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. I'll show, I'll show you a couple of places here because this is one of the things that God repeats over and over in the Bible. And it is a great message for our day because uh, really, honestly, and I think most of, most of the folks in this room, if you would be honest, um, you, would, you would understand that even in, in, in Christianity, uh, especially in America, American Christianity, uh, popular Christianity, boy, there is a, a real push for people to um, still have church, but to really soften the message and make it not so offensive to people. And uh, look at what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 2, or God is speaking, and uh, Jeremiah is speaking, and here's what he says to, to these, these preachers in in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 33. We won't read the whole context, but this is one of Jeremiah's first messages. And, uh, and he says in verse number 33, notice the language here. Why trimmest thou the way to seek love? Why are you trimming the way? How many of you know the way, the way that God wants us to walk? Why are you trimming the way 
to seek love. And, it, and love is such a, a great word. And, you know, we always uh, need to emphasize that. We need to let the worst sinner in the world that comes through the doors today in our invitation know that, hey, there's a story called the prodigal son. How many of you are thankful for that story? And man, I mean, you can have lived a wicked life and God will save you. God will forgive you. We have to preach love, but we can't trim the way. And, and oh, we're, we're, we don't want to say that because they'll, they'll feel unloved. We still have to tell them the truth. Let me show it to you again. I think it's uh, Jeremiah 26, and it's a little, little more detail there. Look at Jeremiah 26. And uh, see, Jeremiah was living in a time that was very similar to ours. Israel was really on the, on the brink of, of just total destruction, to be honest with you. They were just in apostasy. And, and so a lot of the message of Jeremiah really applies to us today. So look at Jeremiah 26. Look at verse number 1 of Jeremiah 26. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord saying, Thus saith the Lord. And let me say this about Jehoiakim. He was one of the worst kings there was. I'll tell you how bad Jehoiakim was. Jehoiakim, they didn't even allow him to be buried with the other Jewish kings. See, we're not, we're not even going to bury you there. Uh, he was known as, uh, he had like all the pagan um, astrological signs, the rabbis, when you read about Jehoiakim, he had all the pagan astrological signs and, and all the, from the pagan gods tattooed over his whole body. He, he gave his whole body to paganism. It was crazy. And that's why they wouldn't bury him there. Um, but, but God says, now you go speak to, uh, to Jehoiakim, or this is in his reign. Verse 2, thus saith the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house. So Jeremiah, you go down there and you stand right in the marketplace. I mean, you stand right where everybody goes. Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them. Diminish not a word. How many of you see that little phrase? I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to stand up in public, Jeremiah. And you're going to have to say some things in public that they're not going to like. But you better, you listen to me. You don't diminish. You know what the word diminish means? All right, how many of you, uh, when you're driving down the road, you turn on the brights, right? And when another car's coming, what do you do to the brights? You, you dim them. You dim them. And to diminish means to lessen it, to soften it. And God says, now, when it comes to my word, don't soften it. Don't diminish it, Right? Moses, you go tell Pharaoh something Pharaoh doesn't want to hear. And Moses, what does he do? Instead of saying, Israel is my firstborn son, and if you don't let him go, God's going to kill your son. He goes, well, would you, would you, would you maybe just let us go in the wilderness? Because if you don't, God's going to be real mad at us. <laughs> right? And, and sometimes we think we're helping God out, don't we? And, uh, and so we have to remember that. And, yeah, I know this, I, I'm a preacher and I'm kind of preaching to me. But, you know, I mean, as a parent, I mean, we all have, you know, some of our children, they're just so cooperative, right? And then you always have some that are not so cooperative, right? And you want your children to like you, don't you? Right? I mean, it's human nature. I've never met anybody that wants their children to not like them. And so what's the temptation? to diminish it, to make it a little less than what God says. 
Um, and when we're talking to people and they ask us a question. And listen, I, I, what I love about the Word of God and one of the expressions that's helped me so much is when someone asks you of an opinion, don't ever give them your opinion. Just say, well, I have an opinion, you have an opinion, but I always go with what the Bible says. Can I show you what the Bible says? And it's an amazing thing. Because people can argue with you, but they can't argue with the Bible. And there's something about saying, I know that's tough, but I believe what the Bible says. And the idea, when you put the Word of God in them, the Word of God's a sword. Remember that story of that guy Ehud made the dagger, and he stuck it in the king, and he walked away? And man, when you put the Word of God in people, it's like sticking a dagger in them and walking away. And they'll never forget it. But it's hard sometimes. But don't diminish a word of it. Do not diminish a word of it. I'll never forget we had a, uh, a person that had been visiting our church. And, uh, and I uh, gave the invitation. And in the invitation, I gave a call for salvation. And I gave a call for baptism. And I gave a call for church membership. It was on a Sunday night. And I was at the altar right over here dealing with some people. And an individual came down to join our church. And um, I was dealing with someone else in the matter of salvation. I stepped over and they, he, the person said, well, I'm interested in joining Liberty Baptist Church. I said, that's wonderful. And you know how the, at our invitation, how I always say, if you want to come down and speak with someone, we have people that are trained in counseling. And uh, one of the things that we, we train people is, okay, when they ask to join a church, you know, you got some questions, you ask them, have you been saved? Obviously, you can't join a church unless you've been saved, right? Have you been baptized, you know? And then, do you believe like we believe? That's important because we're not joining them, they're joining us. Does that make sense? And that's important. Well, so, so I had one of our people, and they were speaking with this individual. You've been saved? Yes. You've been baptized? Yes. Okay, do you believe what, what we believe in? And now I have not here in this conversation. I'm over here, and this person is talking to him. And the person says, well, I don't know. What do you believe about uh, uh, gay marriage? And so the person, our person that's trained, he says, very wisely, we believe what the Bible says. And the person says, what does the Bible say? <laughs> and this person did not diminish the word. He said, it's an abomination unto God. And I can show it to you. Now, you know that person wasn't interested in seeing that in the Bible? <laughs> you know what they did? I was over there, and I heard them scream. They screamed. It reminded me of the story in Mark where Jesus healed the person, and the, the demon screamed and began to scream in church and ran out, the, walked down the hall screaming, talking about how unloving we were because we didn't trim. Now, you see how that meets the road? You can't do that, though. What would we be if we had trimmed? You see, God's blessing rests sometimes in your, your separation, your holiness unto the Lord. And you have to be willing to do that in your own personal life, when you're speaking with people. And I'll tell you this, there's not an unloving bone in my body towards that. I mean, I... I God knows I treat people the way I'd want someone to treat my own family. And uh, it's a sin like anything else. But the truth is you can't trim the way. You understand that, don't you? And if a person came 
for it in our church service, and they wanted to join our church, and they were living together and weren't married. You know what I tell them? The same thing. Hey, that's a sin. Now, we love you. You can come, but you can't be a member of our church. You see, you understand how that works. So you can't trim the way. The temptation is to always want to trim, isn't it? And you can't do that. You have to be firm on that. Okay, let me show you another one. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Uh, and, and let me show you Paul here. And this is great. I'm telling you, because the, the, the truth is, the devil, um, the devil just wants to move you. And I, I, I wish there was a good way for me to illustrate it, but if you're going the right way, if you're going the way that God wants you to go, obviously the devil wants you to be going 180 degrees, Right? But the devil doesn't just turn somebody in one day. The devil just, he gets you to swerve. A little at a time. A little at a time. Until eventually you're going the way he wants you to go. He just gets you to turn. And the Bible even uses that word in the, in the pastoral epistles to swerve. Some have swerved from the truth. You know, the truth comes at you and you can either let it hit you and change you or you can swerve. And how many of you know the world is just throwing stuff at us? And if you are affected by them, you'll just keep turning, turning, turning until eventually you, you, don't, you don't have any convictions. So Paul says in this passage, none of these things move me. That's the key of this passage in verse 24. None of these things move me. But look at what he says in verse number 20. He says, and, and, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I've kept back nothing. I've showed you everything. And then he says in verse number 24, none of these things move me. Nothing that's come at me has moved me. All right, now look down at verse number 27. He says, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I've showed you everything. The counsel. Like if you go to a, uh, if you're having trouble in your life and you go to a pastor or someone for counseling, that's advice or that's, here's what you need to do. And Paul said, I've showed you the whole counsel of God. I've showed you everything God told you you need to do. And you should do. All right, he, he goes on down. He says, um, look in verse number 29. For this I know that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. So the, the idea, and I think it was Warren Wiersbe that said this. He said a, a, a leader, a spiritual leader, must be bold, but he must be broken. There's just got to be a, a broken boldness. Isn't that a good way to put it? And that's how we ought to be if you're, if you're trying to help anybody in spiritual matters. You have to be bold, but you need to do it broken, you know. I know some people that do it unbroken. They're very proud about it, and that, that makes people rebel, against them and, and not just the truth. But, but you have to be bold and broken. So Moses, here's a good example, all right, of, of a person that I believe just kind of takes a step back from the, the true message that God wants him to, to, to give. 
Um, at least that's a great example in this story, okay? Now, when he does that, Pharaoh obviously says, listen, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to, we're going to, he doesn't see the value in worship. He doesn't know the Lord, his, the Lord God. And he says, we're, we're going to, we're going to make the, the, the task harder. We're going to make you same amount of bricks. We're not going to provide the straw. You're going to have to get it yourself. I think verse 17 is, um, is key. He says, but he said, you're idle. You're idle. <laughs> you're, just, you're just trying to get out of work. That's what you're doing. He, didn't, he knew he had a good thing. But now, when, when they're being beaten and uh, they're being persecuted for not getting the same amount of bricks, they, they turn on Moses. And it won't be the last time they turn on Moses, right? They turn on Moses. So look down at verse number 20. And they met Moses and Aaron. This is Exodus 5 and verse 20. They met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Not just beat them. They said, if we don't do this, they're going to kill us. Now Moses is going to pray, and this prayer is awesome. Look at this prayer, verse 22. And Moses returned on the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? And here's the key. Why is it that thou hast sent me? Why did you send me here? I mean, I wonder how many people have prayed that prayer and, and throughout the, the history of Christianity. Lord, why did you send me here? How many of you ever heard the joke about how preachers resign every Monday? Right? And uh, I mean, how many times has, has someone or a servant or a person said, Lord, and I, in my Bible, here's what I have. Look at verse 22. Um, after the question mark, the first question mark, there's a little phrase. Why is it that thou hast? And I have that. Highlighted, Because what comes after that, you have to put a blank there and you have to put what's in your blank. Now Moses' blank, Moses' why to God was this, why have you sent me? Right? Because that was his situation. But how many of you know that that blank can change? I, Lord, why hast thou allowed me to be sick? Right? Lord, why hast thou, you know, let this person be my boss or whatever? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, everybody has a different blank there. And I'm sure that my, my friend, uh, Dwight, Pastor Winkley, is probably asking that question this morning. You know, this kid was in Bible college, his son. Why? And uh, the truth is, Wiersbe said this, God doesn't, God rarely answers that question with an answer, but he answers it with a promise. And God doesn't give answers, he gives promises. The old great spiritual song, we'll understand it better by and by. There's some things we're not going to understand why until we get to heaven. So in the meantime, what does God do? He gives us promises. He gets us through. I know this for my friend. Here's a great promise. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. 
then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I mean, there's all kinds of promises, you see. So we face these difficult situations and we don't understand what God's doing in our life. We go to the promises of God. And God gives us promises. And you do that with your children, don't you? There's certain things when your children are younger, they ask you, and they wouldn't understand the answer if you told them. So you just gave them a promice. Why do we have to sit in this service? It's so long. When we get done, we're going to go to McDonald's. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? And you got 15 more minutes of, of silence. I mean, you understand that. And God gives us promises, doesn't he? And, uh, and, and that's, that's his way of saying, you wouldn't understand it if I told you. But I'm going to give you a promise. So um, the, the great thing is, is in Philippians chapter 4, and we'll close there. But, but turn in Philippians chapter number 4. And that's a great book of promises. And Philippians chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Pray to God, verse 6. And then what happens, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So there's something better than understanding why God does something. There's something that passes understanding. What's greater than understanding why God's doing something? The peace of God in what you're going through. So peace is what God gives. And uh, he gives promises. And verse 19, look at the promise he gave. My God shall supply all your need. I'll take care of you. He gives peace, verse 7, and then he gives people. All the, verse 22, all the saints salute you. And when you're going through a tough time, you need promises from God, you need peace from God, and you need the people of God, right? And that's what God... So when you have that question that Moses had, Lord, why hast thou... Fill in the blank. Remember... What God gives us, okay? All right, anybody have a question? Exodus 5. There's nothing like the preaching of God's Word to bring comfort and conviction at the same time. I wonder, what will you do with what you've heard today? We would love to hear from you and pray with you. You may contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. That's enjoyingthejourney.org. I hope you'll be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church wherever you are this Lord's Day. And then join us as we continue our devotional study of the Word of God on enjoying the journey in the new week. May God bless you and thank you for listening.